Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, December 2nd, 2022 edition of On Iowa Politics, or as it will come to be known, the RIP Democratic Iowa Caucuses edition of On Iowa Politics. This week on the podcast, well, uh, RIP the Democratic Iowa Caucuses. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. With me today are Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Aaron. Lee Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough. Good morning, Caleb. Good morning, Aaron. Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times is here. Hello, Sarah. Good morning. And should we be calling it the Iowa Carcasses? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yes, I, I believe we should. Uh, and also here is Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Hello, Todd. Good morning. And I wish somebody would call me a chief. There's a lot of chiefs and I, I don't get to be one. And it makes me sort of salty. You were a bureau chief in your past, weren't you? Or, I was. I, I was a bureau chief. You gave up the title, man. That's that's how it goes. I did. You don't, you don't get it back. <laughs> you, you and Kathy Obradovich, right? Yeah. She was bureau chief before me. So I guess we both gave it up. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, well, uh, we may as well dive right in, into this. Um, the big news that dropped on Thursday, uh, the Washington reports, sorry, the Washington Post reported that national Democrats are poised to approve a new slate of early voting states in their quadrennial presidential nominating process and notably missing from that list, Iowa which has held its caucuses first in the nation since 1972. Hey, a nice uh, even 50 years. That's not a bad run, right? Um, interestingly, <clears throat> pardon me, after we all waited months for the Democratic National Committee's Rules and Bylaws Committee to tell us their new plan, it was President Joe Biden who ultimately, um, and reportedly, according to the Post, came up with the plan upon which party leaders will vote. <clears throat> and I should just pause here and Note uh, for our listeners here, we're recording this Friday morning, and this is a very fluid, um, ongoing breaking news situation. Uh, the committee is meeting today and possibly tomorrow um, as I'm sitting here recording this. So depending on when you're listening to the podcast, there there may be um, newer information out there. But, but uh, this is as things sit Friday morning. Um, so that plan, again, according to the post that was put forth by President Biden, would have South Carolina go first, followed by New Hampshire and Nevada, and then Georgia and Michigan. So in other words, farewell first in the nation, Iowa, not even an early voting window slot. At least on the Democratic side, remember, uh, this is uh, just for the Democrats. Republicans have already approved their calendar for 2024, and they kept it status quo. Iowa's caucuses will remain first on the Republican side, followed by New Hampshire. And on and on and on. Uh, but back to the Democrats. So there's obviously a lot to unpack here. A lot to unpack here. So many questions to answer. And again, recording on a Friday morning here, uh, we're not going to be able to answer all those questions on the podcast. Th th those questions will be asked and answered in the coming days, weeks, and months, probably even. Um, at the kind of at this early stage, the best we can do is is what each of us does: is come up with those questions. That need to be answered. So, so let's. Uh, this is obviously a big thing um, and a fresh thing. Let's just go around the horn here and get everybody's reaction um, and find out what burning questions they have moving forward. Uh, Todd, we'll, we'll default to you as the veteran of this group uh, to get us started. 
what what was your reaction as this news broke Thursday afternoon and evening? Well, I, you kind of saw it coming, and then uh, when Iowa trended a lot redder than most of the states, I mean, most of the country, that was probably the final you know nail in the caucus carcass coffin uh, because you know the, the Democrats are looking to start somewhere where they're competitive preferably a swing state that's important and and they're not <clears throat> sorry they're not competitive right now here so that makes sense um <clears throat> frog in my throat so you know and, and all the other factors the caucuses have their flaws and i guess it was you know eventually they were going to they were going to catch up with them uh the lack of diversity the you know the the process which once upon a time was seen by the national media as sort of quaint and quirky and and now it's like a a barrier to participation and it's you know it, it it's not democratic and so that you know the they've the the you know halcyon days of talking about people meeting in people's living rooms and how you know it was it was the hard work of democracy they've kind of yielded to a lot of criticism not be able to come up with a with a result in 2020 certainly didn't help and you know so now i guess you know the, the all we're left with is is our you know our our memories all of the the pork chop flipping and the uh fried twinkie eating and the soapbox speaking and and the big boars and 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 you know and also the large livestock so i mean that's that's what we'll look back finally on i guess there are a lot of questions how how is this how is our state law going to play into this? I mean, it, it, this creates a situation where we may, the Democrats may hold caucuses that aren't sanctioned by the party. Is anyone going to campaign here? Uh, they're saying that they're going to penalize candidates who do, although they've, you know, they've aimed penalties before at states that tried to jump. And I, I don't know that it really stopped anyone or that those penalties turned out to be turned out to be real. I mean, if one of your leading candidates decides to, decides to uh, campaign in Iowa or make some stops here, are you really going to take away their ability to use voter lists and data and all of those things when they're, you know, one of the prominent candidates in the party? Uh, you know what? It's, if we adhere to state laws, I say, you know, we're, there's going to be a caucus, but then what does that mean? The Republicans are, we just got a statement from Jeff Kaufman attacking the Democrats and Joe Biden specifically. Uh, you know, are, are the are the Republicans going to make any effort to, you know, buttress the Democratic caucuses? I, I would think that's unlikely, but uh, they have worked in partnership in the past. Uh, you know, what's going to happen to the Iowa starting line? Are they going to have to change their name? I mean, what's going to what's up with that? I, I haven't seen news yet on that. So that's it. That's really the biggest question, I think, is is what's going to happen to that. But it's, you know. Or Pat just has to turn to a conservative leaving leaning blog instead of liberal. Well, yeah, or you know, uh, Iowa tenth place. I don't. That, that's not as catchy. But uh, it's, Iowa second heat. Yeah, I've you know I, I've <laughs> I've never been a huge defender of the caucuses. The criticisms are valid, but I'm not. I see a lot of people sort of piling on and saying, I told you this was going to happen and I thought it should happen years ago and, and all of that, which is entirely possible. But it's, you know, 
I'm going to miss the the uh, chance for Iowans, Dem- Democrats in particular, to to be part of history and to witness history and and all of those positive things about the caucuses. But uh, it makes sense for the Democratic Party, given their demographic makeup and objectives and the way the map is, has changed electorally, it makes sense for them to shake up the lineup. And unfortunately, Iowa was the big loser in all that. I, I don't want to make Tom and Sarah wait too much longer here, but th- that raises an interesting point, Todd, that I want to follow up with you on. Um, so this, t- so my, one of my initial reactions to this is, and, and I'm with you, I, I, I understand the arguments that, uh, look, uh, back when I was still writing a column when I was with uh, in the old league gig, in Caleb's gig, um, I, I put down in black and white for everybody that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me what happens here. I'm not rooting for one outcome or the other. I've still got a job to do regardless of whether I was first or 50th. Um, but but I think there are both um, valid arguments and some silly ones that are, that are made throughout this whole thing. Uh, but what I found interesting about the proposal put forth by President Biden is it seems like a very now proposal like that mm-hmm. map makes sense for right now. But what what about in four, eight or 12 or 16 years? Are, other states are going to be toss up states. Now, to that, the president also recommended um, revisiting the, the calendar every I think he said four years. Is, is, do, do I remember that right in the report? Well, I'm curious yeah. your thought on that, Todd. I mean, is that is the National Party going to want to do this every four years, revisit and possibly reorganize? I mean, maybe that's the way to do it. I, I genuinely don't know. I thought that's a, I, in some ways that sounds awfully chaotic, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe that's the appropriate way to approach it. I'm wondering if you had a thought on that. Well, I, you know, I guess the the you know the the proof will be whether this results in Democratic nominees that win the presidency. Yeah. I mean, if that, if that happens, there won't be any reason to change it. Uh, that was part of Iowa's argument is that Democrats have won the popular vote for out of how, you know, so many out of how many elections and, and, and so why change things? Well, I think being flexible is probably a good idea. I mean, there's no, there's no reason why it the order has to stay in place for 50 years. I mean, it can, it can be changed. I mean, it, I mean, and I think the Democrats are sort of, uh, you know, breaking the seal on that possibility that that now that they've done this, they can come back in several years if they don't, if this doesn't work well and and, and change it. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think that's probably, you know, what we're what we're looking at down the road. Yeah. The interesting other side of that is I know Iowa Democrats especially will tell you, well, and Iowa Republicans, too, um, that there's a sort of um, infrastructure that gets built up around the caucuses and and um, um, a familiarity with operating these things. And, and I think that's the interesting part of this moving forward, that uh, starting with South Carolina, although they've at least been an early voting state, so they're at least used to some of the attention. But um, um, if it's going to change every four or eight years, um, you don't get time to build up that infrastructure and that um, familiarity with the process. And it'll be interesting to see how states manage that. I mean, you mentioned the troubles Iowa had in 2020, and that's for with a state that's been doing it for 50 years. And imagine what's like for someone doing it for the first time here. So I don't know. It'll be. And, and you know, these are going to be primaries because the caucuses are basically. That's, true. that's, that's not true. what the, that's what not what Democrats want. So primaries are probably a little easier 
that's a to good organize. Point. But yeah, I mean it, and and you know, left unsaid is that this is a, a huge organizational and financial disaster for the Iowa Democratic Party. I mean, they how many how many times can they get kicked in the, in the same you know in a one month period? It's <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's really bad news for them. Yeah, um, Tom. You have uh, some history in South Carolina. You used to work for a paper down there. Now that uh, First in the Nation is moving from Iowa to South Carolina, are you, are you going to head back? Are you, you going to follow the headlines? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, probably not. Um, I, I will I will say this. If, if, if there's a silver lining to come out of uh, the news last night, um, it's that um, Iowa got a quarterback out of this deal, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah uh, that's right. Right. Yeah. So so yeah. with with Michigan kicking Iowa out of the out of the early voting window um, in in exchange, uh, Iowa gets a quarterback. Um, so I, let's let's not let's not forget that. Um, but in, in, in all seriousness, um, you know, when we talk about the need to have more diverse representation in the first votes, it's kind of interesting in how it's worked out, because if if this had been the way that the nominating calendar was set up back in 2008, when Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were running, you might not have had a Barack Obama presidency. Um, you know, the Iowa caucuses launched Barack Obama, a white state that at the time you had black voters primarily aligned with Hillary Clinton and were skeptical, not because they didn't support um, um, Barack Obama, because they didn't think white voters would support Barack Obama. Um you know, uh, you know, and they were asking themselves, a black president, you know, will it really happen this time? And then uh, Iowa voters, you know, primarily white voters were the ones to, to help catapult him. Um, whereas without South Carolina, you know, Joe Biden probably wouldn't be president. Um, and, you know, the South Carolina primary was crucial um, for, for him and his candidacy. But honestly, didn't really help Kamala Harris or, or Cory Booker, um, so I just I just think it's again it's it's just kind of interesting how that ha- has played out, and um, you know when when you're looking at these arguments about you know the need to have more um, diverse uh, representation um, in in the the nominating process, um, you know also you know pointing out and looking at uh, the the importance that the Iowa caucuses had back in 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 2008. Yep. Yep, very good points. Uh, Sarah, uh, let's go to you next. Um, uh, now, this would have did, did you cover the 2020 caucuses, Sarah? Were you on the beat yet? Yes. Well, not not for the Times, but for um, the Daily Iowa and the student newspaper. There. Okay. So, okay. Um, okay. So yeah, you so, so you didn't get cheated out of it completely. You at least got no. that experience. No, I think we ended up interviewing all the presidential candidates. So. Um, but the, but yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously like I only have one experience with one cycle, presidential cycle and, um, Democrats in that cycle were willing to, you know, be interviewed and, and and talk to, talk to people on the campaign trail. I mean, um, I don't know if we're going to see in, you know, 2024, if we're going to see a lot of Republicans, you know, sit down with like editorial boards or do, um, those like uh, small, maybe, I mean, probably some smaller meet and greet events, but, um, you know, instead we might see more like Trump rallies or, or, or bigger events 
less maybe of that like uh, one-on-one and especially probably less time with um, local media. But maybe I'll be proven wrong. Hopefully I'll be proven wrong. But but yeah, I think, uh, you know, going back to what um, you said, Aaron, about this, this plan being for now, like for as a, almost as a reaction to the 2022 midterm results and um, right. and 2020 election results, where you know elevating Georgia and Michigan, Michigan obviously went pretty democratic in in the um, in the midterms, and uh, but in you know in in Georgia, it sounds like there's some concerns still too though about um, voting laws and uh, having a Republican secretary of state in Georgia and, you know, what's going to be the outcome here of this, of the 2020 runoff um, uh, Senate election. So yeah, definitely. I think it would, it'll be very interesting to see where, um, what they eventually, obviously what they eventually decide and then what Iowa will eventually do if they'll still have their caucuses um, ahead of everyone else by law and how the national party will react to that. Um, And then how, um, and then, you know, will they do the same calendar in four years or will they, or will they try to shake it up? And will this be a kind of a constant power struggle between states of who, who goes first? So I don't know. Yeah. A lot of questions and, um, not we'll we'll hopefully get some answers maybe later this week. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing we haven't mentioned here too is that kind of big picture, none of this really matters <clears throat> for twenty twenty four if President Biden runs again because there's not going to be <clears throat> meaningful caucuses anyways. <clears throat> so there's the potential that this drama could unfold out over the next six years, mm-hmm. uh, here, which is just uh, chilling to say out loud and think about. Um, well, and what if, you know, if they do change it every four years and say there's a year where one state goes first for the first time and they're so excited, but it's like the party has an incumbent that's running and there's nobody else to run so that, you know, does that diminish Would they need to do it on an eight year cycle? I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just going to say if they do have a caucus, even a non-consequential one after this, Biden could lose Iowa again. He might just lose to like uncommitted or something. Right. Right. They'll write in Rob <clears throat> <laughs> All right, Caleb, we stole all the easy stuff, so it's on you to bring us home here. What what's left to be said about this? Uh, and you've been monitoring this uh closely. I mean, we all have, but you you've really been tuning into this. What what was your reaction and, and what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean I wasn't um all that surprise. I know that, um, you know, I, I had, uh, I was representative on the uh, rules and violence committee. Um, Scott Brennan had said on Iowa press a few weeks ago that, you know, he's, he was hopeful that I would be in the early window. Um, but, you know, it, I mean, from all the things that uh, the party was trying to do and that the uh, uh, seems like the president wanted to do, it, it made sense that Iowa didn't really fit into that, um, that mold. Um, so, you know, a couple of things I'm curious about, and I think Todd kind of alluded to it, um, was, you know, is, is Iowa going to uh, hold its early caucus? Are the Democrats going to hold their caucus anyway and say, screw the National Party? Um, and, you know, what exactly does that mean? Because, as I mean, Ross Wilburn uh, made a statement, um, the Iowa Democratic Party chair, uh, last night that 
suggested that that's what they were that they were planning on doing that um following state law they have to hold their caucus um in february and uh so you know if they do that um by the rules that are being suggested iowa won't have any delegate wouldn't have any delegates to the dnc um but then you know wilburn also said uh you know we will deal with our delegate selection um in subsequent meetings and so i'm curious to see what that means does it mean two caucuses you know one as the uh show caucus and one as the actual selection caucus um does it mean pressuring the state uh the republican-run legislature to pass a law allowing or holding a primary um that doesn't seem very likely uh so you know that that that's gonna be interesting to see how that um plays out uh and the other thing is um just you know as tom mentioned um the uh, the caucuses were really instrumental to um, Barack Obama's success in 2008, and people always point to Jimmy Carter um, back in 1972 as kind of the um, classic example of using the caucuses to launch a, a national um, win. But I, I'm I'm curious if their relevance and kind of impact is falling now that you know national. It seems like campaigns are much more nationalized. Um, I don't know how. Uh, I mean, you saw it in 2020, right? Uh, Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg um, pretty much neck and neck winning that one. Uh, and they did not end up winning the primary. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders had a pretty good, his campaign had a pretty good um, grassroots kind of organization here, it seemed. But, you know, that didn't pay off in the national trend because people were following the national media and, and they, you know, they know Joe Biden and, and you know, he wins in South Carolina. So, I don't know, it seems like uh, campaigns are a little more nationalized now in kind of that on the ground meeting grassroots organizing might not be as important as it once was, you know? So, uh, interesting. To see. Yeah. On the, you know, on the other hand though, uh, we probably wouldn't even know who Pete Buttigieg is, you know, is without the caucuses. He wouldn't be transportation right. secretary. He wouldn't, Absolutely. you know, he wouldn't be a national figure. Yeah. Cause he, this is where he sort of wowed people and, and he came, I mean, that, and that's, you know, that's the downside of this change is you're going to, you're not going to probably have the candidates that kind of come out of the woodwork and, and catch, catch fire in the grassroots like we've seen. I mean, you know, the list is long. I mean, Mike Huckabee was hardly a, a front running name in Rick 2000, Santorum. in 2008, Rick Santorum, uh, you know, Howard Dean almost won the caucuses and he wasn't regarded as a, as a contender until he sort of, you know, did well here campaigning, ultimately got third and, and screamed his way <laughs> out, of the, out of the race. But yeah, it's just, and may, you know, maybe South Carolina is a place you can potentially do that. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a small state, but. Yeah. And this, this kind of tangentially, and it's just close enough that it pulls it the scab. Uh, and so now I'm going to go off. My biggest complaint about the discussion that is had around Iowa is the Iowa doesn't pick winners argument, which is so, so stupid. Um, and, and I apologize if you made that argument and I'm now offending you, uh, but buckle up and get ready because here it comes. Um, the first state is not supposed to pick the winners. I, and I don't know why anybody would want that. Why would you want the first state to pick the nominee every time, which would over time render the entire rest of the process irrelevant. You know, 
the 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 first the early states are to take this huge group and whittle it down to a slightly less huge group and weed out the candidates who don't have the juice to to ultimately be president of the United States. Uh, that's the role that they serve, and I I would argue that Iowa and New Hampshire and the other early voting states have done that over time. And and to to Todd's point, and then they've also boosted other candidates who didn't go on to become president, but impressed in other ways and found other roles in, in national politics. But that, that whole, every time someone says, well, I was never, you know, only picked the winner, but it, it drives me just up. <laughs> um, there are it's there three are, tickets. There's three tickets out of Iowa. Now yeah, there's a lot Jason of no, a whole podcast about it. People come on. No, now all the tickets are out of Iowa, I guess, but yeah, well, uh, yeah. Um, well, and yeah, Obama yeah. was mentioned earlier. I mean, and they, in that case, they did pick a winner. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of emphasis on 2020. But, you know, 2008, that may, that, that caucus, those caucus scores that, that, you know, evening may have made one of the most important decisions in the history of the Democratic Party in the United States. I mean, it, it's entirely possible that Hillary Clinton would have gone on to lose to John McCain. I mean, she was a divisive figure. And here was this chance to make history, you know, a young family, a dynamic candidate. I mean, it's uh... <laughs> Walgreens. No, it's Walgreens calling out. It's time for my oh, meds. Okay. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so thanks for that, Iowa. But I guess no thanks now. But as yeah. we said, I mean, there's all sorts of other, there's all sorts of reasons to change, but. You know, right. that's right. at least that's at it. least there's that you can look back at the history of the caucuses. And that was a that was a big one. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, you can you can make the argument that while the Iowa caucuses have not been, uh, you know, terribly friendly to, to Joe Biden, um, you know, <laughs> where 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 would Joe Biden be without an Obama presidency? Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So so moving forward is going to be interesting. Um, and and and. I think uh, Caleb and others have hit the biggest questions and in, in starting with what does the Iowa Democratic Party do now? I'm, I'm sure they've been planning for this. At, at least I would hope they would. It, it, as you heard from everybody, nobody here was surprised by this uh, announcement. So I have to believe that nobody at IDP was either. Um, so uh, plan B is, is now in motion and it's going to be interesting to see what exactly that uh, looks like. Um, and like we said, also interesting because we're kind of heading into what is likely a non-competitive caucus cycle so that there's plenty of time to iron this out and, and figure it all out and, and what it's going to look in, in 2024 and, and then in 2028. Um, I, before before I, I sign us off, is there anybody is there anybody else who has any other uh, thoughts on this? I mean, like we've said, we're recording this Friday morning. This is all very fresh and there's a lot of unanswered questions. Is there any other thoughts that uh, you had before we move us on? Well, it's 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 also going to be interesting to see what New Hampshire does because as yeah. as you know, unhappy as Iowa Democrats are, I mean New Hampshire is. I mean they're they are not going to give up that spot. I mean it's it's in. I mean they've they've been doing this since what turn of the century, twentieth century. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and, and didn't they say as much with their statement yesterday? Yeah. Um, saying like, look, the, the, uh, man, I, I don't want to, I don't want to butcher it, but I mean, I think they said something along the lines of like, look, you know, the DNC didn't give New Hampshire the first primary and they can't take it away from us. 
um, <laughs> or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. I, I apologize if I completely butchered that, but I mean, no, no, that's that's exactly what they said. But but I mean, they've they've been you know very um, uh, very adamant that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do what they need to do, and 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 their state law as well, you know, dictates that uh, that they be the first primary. The, One interesting that, thing about that uh, is you know New Hampshire is even smaller than Iowa, I, I, I think. I hope I'm not wrong about that. Um, uh, and so, like, you know, the number of delegates they get to the DNC is not that many, you know, and maybe it's more important to them and more important to the DNC, or at least more important to New Hampshire, that uh, they get that media attention for holding that first primary. And the campaigns might, you know, care more about that, uh, depending on how what the penalty is um, for campaigning, right? So, uh, you know, could not, might not matter to them that much at all to, to not, you know, change that day. Well, and I was, I was a little bit surprised when I saw the list that Democrats just didn't put New Hampshire first and then go from there, because that would have avoided all of the potential chaos that's going to happen from New Hampshire basically saying, we're not willing to go second. And then it just would have been Iowa. And, and you know, I don't think there would have been much, you know, beyond Iowa. I don't know how, how many people would have cared but uh yeah because now i mean you've got a scenario well maybe iowa has the first caucus new hampshire keeps their primaries maybe some of those other 15 or so states that that lobbied to be in the early window say well why do we have to go late if everybody's just ignoring this anyway so i mean we <laughs> they're lucky that it's a maybe a non-competitive year in 2024 because uh they'll have some cooling off period that maybe they can straighten some of this stuff out, but yeah, I don't, it'll so, be interesting to see. So this is a question I had and, and I, I almost hesitate to ask because it seems so simple that I fear that I'll be <laughs> displaying some ignorance here and I should already know the answer to this. Why is Iowa such an easy boot, but New Hampshire is not when New Hampshire is even whiter than Iowa and, 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 and smaller. Is it just because it's, it's a primary and not a caucus? I mean, is, is that it? Well, that's a big part of it, I think. And, and you know, the tradition is, like I say, is deeper in New Hampshire. I mean, that it yeah. is here. I mean, we've been doing it I 50 mean, years and they're, you know, I think, like I say, I think it's 19, in the 19 teens sure. when they started having their primary. But, but 50 uh, years isn't like we just started yesterday. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I, I think Todd's right. I think a, a big part of it has to do with the fact that, um, theirs is a primary and, and, and ours is a caucus. And, you know, the DNC has been pretty clear that, um, yeah. that they're not favorable to, to caucuses. Um, the and President then, Biden said that as well. Right. The and then, and then you throw on top of that, the, the, the issues that you had in 2020 and, you know, <laughs> it's harder to kick around New Hampshire, which is still a swing state versus yeah. kicking around Iowa, which is a, a now a very red state. There you go. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's you know, probably part of it too. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think um, they're also trying to get uh, a state from every kind of region of the country. And, you know, a lot of those New England states are similar demographically. So not too much different you can find. Well, yeah. And, yeah, and, the, and the TV markets and stuff in that part of the country all cover a, a large number of states. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of like a, a New England primary, but it's in New Hampshire. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, that at least I, I at least see the math uh, now. I forgot about the regional thing too. That's right. That that was part of the plan was to have at least one state from 
<clears throat> the various regions, and that why that's why we talked about the Michigan for Iowa uh, caucus for quarterback trade. Is is there any debate as to whether you know? I, I know there's always this debate as to whether Ohio is in the, in the Midwest or is Michigan <laughs> yeah. in the Midwest. I, yeah. I guess it is. I guess it is. Uh, Scott Brennan, uh, when we had him on Iowa Press last week, kind of made that argument. He kind of said, "Is Michigan in the Midwest really?" Uh, I'm not so sure. Obviously, that wasn't persuasive in the end, but he was trying to make that argument. Well, I was, that, and that you know, the Midwestern thing. I was a little surprised that maybe, I guess, Michigan makes sense partially because they've got this Democratic trifecta now, which makes it easy for them to pass a bill that you know puts this in motion. But right. uh, but so does Minnesota, and Minnesota was one of the states that that lobbied for an early that, spot. And that's and, what it sounds like. It came down to Minnesota versus Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> got to boot Iowa. Yeah, because well in Minnesota would be is sort of like Iowa except it's got a much larger major metro area and then also yeah. it's got more a larger industrial base as you go north and you know and I think a few more young people uh percentage wise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of former Iowans maybe. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, obviously, there will be so much more to talk about in, in, in the future. Um, uh, we'll, we'll put a pin in this one for now and, and, and stay tuned. This is obviously and, – and I guess as we uh, go out, I, we should point out just to make clear, this is not a final, final plan. It still has to be approved, um, and it was pitched by President Biden. Now, that seems fairly unlikely that they would buck the party's leader, but for record-keeping's sake, it's, it's just a proposal right now. Again, as we sit here and record on Friday morning, and, and, and we'll see what happens. And plenty more things to unpack and discuss uh, on future episodes of the podcast. But that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. If you enjoyed it, tell your friends and subscribe to us on streaming audio services like iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon. And if you'd like to reach out, send us an email to podcasts at thegazette.com. And now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter where every morning in your inbox you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team, including all of our updates on this unfolding drama with the Iowa caucuses. You can subscribe to that on Iowa Politics newsletter at our website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And you know, Jared did this <clears throat> a couple weeks ago. I'm going to do it again because sadly it's in the news again as I list all those papers, uh, sending out a shout out of solidarity to our friends and colleagues at all the Gannett papers who are uh, having a rough time uh, lately. We're all with you and, and hoping for the best. Porch Builder will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Tom, Caleb, Sarah, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks for listening. You ready for us to go ahead and do it up? All right. Um, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four.
Starport's your manufacturing pot. I knew right then that I had been caught. They seemed to know just exactly where I was growing. I kept on wondering how they'd come about knowing. They went in the house, they started nosing around. There's a couple things. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.